in the book of Acts, Luke tells us that story twice, doesn't he? He tells us when it happens, and then he tells us how he tells it to the people in Jerusalem. So I think it must, Luke must think it's very important. So maybe it's important that we take notice of this too. <clears throat> now food was and is an important social and cultural symbol for a Jew. Hospitality was very, very important to them. What to eat, who to eat with, established boundaries between one community and another. Many Jewish writings of this time that we've read about forbade table fellowship between Jews and Gentiles. And the Lord Jesus ate with lots of different people and lots of people that uh, an observant Jew would think were unclean. There's no gospel record of him eating with the Gentiles. <coughs> Probably that was one of the reasons why this whole issue was so important in the early church. <coughs> Maybe this was the first time that question was asked. You know, if we had bands with it on as well, what would Jesus do? <coughs> That's probably the first time this was asked. What would Jesus do? Changing traditional boundaries is unsettling, isn't it? In church, we can even find it disturbing. And Peter discovered this when he told his story in Jerusalem. Now, following Pentecost and the birth of the church, as distinct from a mere sect of the Jews, thousands of Jews became believers. And this new church met in the temple courts, as well as in their homes. And it soon became evident that the good news could not no longer be contained in Jerusalem. It had been taken to the Samaritans <coughs> and to people called the God-fearers in Caesarea. God was making it clear that the Gentiles should be included in the church and things were beginning to change. Saul had encountered Jesus on the Damascus road and been told that he was going to be used to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Philip had got alongside the Ethiopian fellow and explained to him the meaning of the, bit of the scriptures he was reading in Isaiah, pointing him to Jesus. And Peter had been summoned to Joppa, where Tabitha lived. She had been involved in the cloth trade, and she was a disciple of Jesus. But she died, and the believers had sent for Peter. Peter just spoke to her. He said, Tabitha, get up. And she did. She returned to life. Now when Jesus did this sort of thing, he discouraged publicity, didn't he? So many times he said, don't tell anybody about this. But I don't think that was to be in Paul's tack. After all, Jesus had said to him, hadn't he, on the beach that morning over breakfast, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And Peter was taking this to heart and this was what he was doing. He was teaching and he was healing. And I would imagine that all of this spread 
very quickly. Imagine if someone was raised from the dead in Hexham. Town would be a buzz, wouldn't it? We would all know about it. And next we hear about this Roman centurion called Cornelius. He was one of the God-fearers. And he'd seen an angel who told him to send to Joppa for Peter. Now in the way that God does things, as Cornelius' men were getting near to Joppa, there was Paul praying, and he saw a vision. There was this large, sort of sheet, tablecloth thing, with all sorts of animals and birds, reptiles, and God told him to get up and eat. Why, Peter was appalled. No way he was going to eat something like this. This was against all the rules and regulations he'd been brought up with. These were unclean things. But as Peter was thinking about this, God's Spirit told him to go down to the men who had come to see him and to go with them to Cornelius. Cornelius was eager to hear this good news about Jesus. And while Peter was talking to them, the Spirit fell on them too. And the Jewish brothers who accompanied Peter were astounded that God's Spirit should fall on people who were Jews. They were really having to cope with some difficult things, weren't they? You see, the Jews believed that God only offered salvation to the Jews, because after all, they were God's chosen people. The law had been given to them. And the group in Jerusalem believed Gentiles along with the other Jews could only be saved through following all these laws and traditions. In essence, a Gentile would have to become a Jew before the Spirit would fall on them, or so they thought. But both of these ideas are wrong. They were making quite a big mistake in their thinking. Peter had been shown in this vision that nothing that God has made was to be seen as unclean, and certainly not people who were created in God's image. God chose the Jewish people so that they could bring this message of salvation, how to live in a close relationship with God. That, was, that had been their purpose. They'd fallen down on it at times, we know from reading the Old Testament. But that's why God chose these people, to show everyone how to live with God. And that's still God's plan today. For all people, Jews and Gentiles alike. We can imagine Peter's excitement. All this that had been going on, and here he was, called back to Jerusalem. So I'm sure he was quite excited to tell them of all the things that had been happening. Oh, but as so often happens when the Spirit moves, everybody wasn't happy. Some of the believers there, who sounded like a really hardline group, were shocked, absolutely shocked, that Peter had eaten with Gentiles. So then we get this long explanation 
Peter tells them the whole story, explaining to them how it had all happened. And Harriet concluded that if God was pleased to give the same gift of the Spirit to the Gentiles when they believed in Jesus, then who was he to stand in the way of God? His defense was vital for clearing the air and enabling this new position for them all to go forward. Showing how the Spirit had really just left him no alternative but to do what the Spirit said, to follow and be obedient. So I think a lot of the intellectual questions and the theological discussions must have ended there. God had given his Spirit to the Gentiles. It was a turning point in the early church and after hearing Peter's account, they all praised God. Their reaction, I think, teaches us how to handle disagreements with other Christians. Because let's be honest, we do have them, don't we? We're all humans, we don't all think the same, we do have disagreements. But before judging, I think we need to do what happened here, to listen to the whole story. Remember that God loves the people that maybe we disagree with. He loves them just as much as he loves us. And maybe the Holy Spirit is wanting to teach us something through the disagreement. And then we heard in John's Gospel, we read of Jesus telling them and us to love each other. Now that wasn't exactly new, was it? He had said it before. But this time, he added the word new commandment to it. It was a revolutionary way to love. To love sacrificially, we have to love as he loves us. To see each other the way he sees us. Now, a little while ago, I heard a, a phrase said that has stuck with me, and I thought it was so lovely, and I'm going to pass it on to you. The Lord wants us to look with grace healed eyes. Grace healed eyes. With God's grace, we need to look at each other. This sort of love will strengthen us, will encourage us. And will unite us. In a world where there's often hostility towards God in his people. And it won't just strengthen us. It might bring believers to know Jesus. You know, Jesus said, the way you love each other, others will say, how do these Christians love each other? So as Jesus is a bridge to our Father God, so he calls us to be bridges, helping others to get to know Jesus. <clears throat> we are to be bridges, not barriers. We are called to make disciples, but we haven't to be in the business of expecting people to toe the line and be just like us. The Spirit will show 
everyone, just what lanes need to be observed as we know and trust him. We don't want to make rules and regulations for people. Maybe Sunday morning is, is quite a good example. You know, if someone comes to know Jesus and they're not used to, to getting ready and coming out on a Sunday morning, we're used to it. We are happy with it. We need to be flexible. There are other times in the week when new Christians can join with us. We need to ask the Holy Spirit if there are times and places where maybe we are causing barriers when he wants to build bridges. You know, Father God has hundreds, if not thousands, of Corneliuses out there, and he wants to reach them and show them how much he loves them. And he's already at work in hearts and minds. And at the same time, I'm sure he's working in us. He's got plans for us. Taylor made plans. He knows us inside out. He knows the people that he's drawing to himself inside out. Just the same way as he knew Peter. He knew where he was and he talked to him about going off to Cornelius' home. God's Spirit talks to us just the same way. He talks to us through his word. He talks to us through each other. Through what we see in, in his creation. But we've got to stay very close. We can't hear if we're miles away from him. We've got to stay close enough to hear and sense the way that he wants us to go. We've got to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And then we need to be willing and open to how and when he wants to use us. Now at this point I would just like to to take a moment and ask you for your prayers. There's going to be an outreach mission in Hayden Bridge, not this coming week, next week. And for a couple of days, people who have been involved in the night course are, are going to be very brave and go out into Hayden Bridge and talk to people, talk to strangers, and hopefully we'll be able to have some conversations about Jesus. They're going to be invited to share lunch together and, and then just spend a little bit of time talking to Jesus. So please, next, like the week Tuesday and Wednesday, would you pray for us that we will be listening and open to where the Holy Spirit wants to take us, to the people that he is already working in, has picked out to bring to himself. So I thank you in advance for your prayers. And some of these encounters that, that we have, they might not be as dramatic as Peter and Cornelius. Might well be, but it might not be. Sometimes these things happen over a, a period of time. Only God knows whether he wants it to be dramatic or over a period of time. His plans are perfect. He knows what he's doing and he just wants us to join in. He wants us to join in with his 
exciting adventure of bringing folk into his kingdom, working with him, building bridges. That's been God's plan right from the very beginning. That was God's plan with his chosen race, and it's still his plan to bring people into his kingdom. So let's thank the Lord for the witness of Peter and Cornelius that shows us about this inclusive love and grace and ask him to help us to show it too. Amen.